I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. Listeners, welcome to another episode of Restaurant and Retail Revelations. This is a podcast brought to you by Revel Systems, provider of the leading cloud POS platform on the market. And before we dive in, I have a few announcements to share. So the first one is for regular listeners accustomed to hearing the musical voice of Julie Standridge as my co-host, we're changing things up just a bit. So her family is growing and she's taking some leave to adjust to a new reality. And so fear not, Julie will be back with us later in the year, but stepping in for Julie is another amazing reveler, Kate Ross. Kate is a business development representative at Revel, and I'm so grateful that she agreed to step into the co-host opening today. Thanks, Sydney. I'm excited to be here, and I can't wait to talk with our featured guests. I know you'll knock it out of the park, Kate. So today's guest actually brings me to my second announcement, which is that we'll be joined by not one, but two leaders at Gusto, which is an Atlanta-based fast casual restaurant featuring bowls and wraps. That's right. We'll be joined by Nate Hibble, who some may recognize as the former starting quarterback for the University of Oklahoma. We'll hold the sports chatter and instead focus on Nate's role as the founder of Gusto. In addition to Nate, we'll be joined by Richmond Green, partner and vice president of operations at Gusto. So without further ado, let's hear two perspectives on a cool and delicious brand. Nate and Richmond, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'd like to start this episode with the disclaimer that I am a biased interviewer and a total Gusto fangirl. I have the loyalty app on my phone. I think most of your staff at the Ponce location probably would recognize me if they don't know my name. And for this episode, I'm thinking it would be easiest for our listeners to follow along if we start with questions uh, with Nate for background on the brand, and then we'll transition over to Richmond for deeper insights into the tech side of your operations. So with that, Nate, will you just share some background on Gusto and how the brand came to be? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having us on. Proud partner of Rebel, come a long way in a short amount of time, but uh, it's hard to condense it. But in 2014, launched Gusto after four years of trying to build a menu and a brand that could fulfill a, a need that I wanted as a consumer, which was more options for, for healthier, quick, you know, quick serve food, healthier fast food. In Atlanta, it just didn't exist in 2013, 2014. So long story short, it, it, I spent four years R&D and coming up with this brand, Gusto, which stands for passion and enthusiasm and it was the best way i could you know kind of articulate what i was feeling about my newfound love for global ingredients um, being from small town in south georgia we launched door number one across from piedmont hospital on peach street uh, in the fall of 2014 and and um now we we have 12 13 shops uh, scattered around atlanta but the, the the origin really was born out of me not knowing where I wanted to go in life and 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 just having I don't you know the blind crazy courage to follow this this gut feeling I had and it took me a lot longer and was a lot harder than I ever would have dreamed to get number one into the wild 
and just so thankful that, that the ideas worked and it continues to work. And, and now we're at a moment where Richard and I are building a brand and it's much different than proving an idea and running restaurants. Amazing. So could you give a little bit of a deeper insight onto how the name came to be? And for listeners, we've seen the debate on social media. So it's Gusto, have you heard, and, and not Gusto. <laughs> yep. Well, for years, I had what's your, what's your base, what's your protein, what's your blank, basically, on a computer. And I had a bunch of, I had about 30 really colorful things that were called bursts or flavor bursts for a long time. It was made clear to me that burst wasn't going to translate, and that was probably not the best term for a food item, or unless it's candy. And so, I, what's your base? What's your protein? What's your blank? And really, just playing around with a lot of words. I, I was trying to uh, find something that could, that was a big word, a big a big idea. It's hard to be unique, and gusto around the world it stands. For you know, good words like taste and and flavor, gusto as an American, that's how I read the word. And so, I a lot of beautiful words associated with gusto: passion, verb, moxie. And so, when I just kind of uttered the words in my mind, voice, you know, what's your gusto? I went and Googled it, and it was, um, you know, Google said zero matches, and you know. For an entrepreneur, that's that's magic because it just doesn't exist, you know, to be that unique. So at that moment, right or wrong, I said, this is the thing. And then it morphed into Gusto being our name, that being in, in kind of a burst, having an exclamation point behind it. And what your Gusto became the call to action. And these flavor profiles became many sub brands called Gustos themselves. I love it. And I'm sure that there's so much ground that you've covered in that time space between selecting a name and launching a brand to where you are today. I'm curious to know just some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as the founder and the owner of a growing brand. Sheesh. I don't know where to start. Um, in the restaurant business, obviously, you can't go very far without having a pretty sound product. Um Real estate's a big deal in, 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 in the retail game, not surprisingly. Um, but I, I, would, I would end on uh, the restaurant business is all about the human beings in, in, in the stores. Um, it's all about being on a team. It's all about being effective, you know, uh, surrounding ourselves with effective leaders and a strict accountability. Um, and so we could go on and on and on and on. It's interesting that technology is starting to change some of the game, you know, from efficiencies to consumer satisfaction. So I'm sure we'll get to that. But, you know, product matters, brand matters, real estate really matters. But at least from our perspective, um, having a strong and intentional culture, communicating that culture, it, it has been the biggest lesson I think I've learned in terms of building a brand is a lot different than opening a restaurant and getting to X amount of sales and X amount of profit. Building a brand is, uh, the word is scale, but is, is okay, open a second one, open a third one, open a fourth one, open a fifth one, 
how in the world you stay connected to where if, if you go in any gusto, it's going to feel pretty similar. And, and so that's a, that's a ongoing lesson. I could talk for hours guys about all the things we've learned. I mean, we're, we're learning right now, but um, I feel like I gave you a, a bunch of stuff, most specifically people development and cultural uh, stickiness is uh, the, the biggest lesson that Richmond and I are kind of being baptized in right now. Cool. Well, this is a little bit of an easier question for you. So Gusto is always innovating with seasonal menu offerings like chili sesame barbecue and ginger jerk pineapple. So how does your team land on these new flavor combinations? <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. Um, so we, we just launched what we call internally a, a product development team, but this is nine years in. For the first nine years, it was myself and uh, Chef Sean Gerdinsky, who's a, a key uh, leader on our team. He's a classically trained chef, was one of my first hires nine years ago. And so he and I collaborate and think about seasonality ingredients and, and spiciness comes into the conversation and, and uh, dietary restrictions come into the conversation. But at the end of the day, we're trying to present something seasonally that is um, exciting. It's exciting for our teams. It's new ingredients. It's, it's a shot in the arm for the consumer who might be tired of the same old stuff. And we have seven mainstay gustos and we have one that's always going to be moving. And it, it just helps us stay relevant, top of mind, explore new flavors, explore new cuisines. Um, and it, again, I think our operations folks would say, it keeps things lively and a little bit spicy in the kitchen with new tools and new ingredients. So it's constant mini innovation. Absolutely. You've got to keep it fresh. And I'm sure that makes it more interesting for your teammates as well. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've got one more question before we kick things over to more of an operations focus. So there's 12 Gusto locations so far, and they're all Georgia-based to my knowledge. And so I'm curious to know what you can share with us, if anything, about future growth plans. Yeah, we're 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 going to double by the end of 2025. We have a pretty strong growth plan and vision for the rest of 23, 24 and 25. If we if we hit our goals, we're going to be um around 25 units. That will also invite involve another new major market, likely Nashville. Um we're also pushing on an airport opportunity. So we have a bunch of goals, but the, one of our values in action is quality over quantity. So I, I can at least tell you from this vantage point that we're not going to go round up and sell a bunch of franchises and be in a bunch of states in a short amount of time. We're going to, it feels like a rare opportunity to grow a, a meaningful brand. And that requires patience and discipline and saying no uh, sometimes to, to short term wins for the sake of mid and long-term value, not only for our investors, but, you know, the, the careers that we have the opportunity to offer and steward, you know, with our, with our teammates. So we're going to do it thoughtfully and, and intentionally. And, and hopefully by the end of 2025, we can look back and say, wow, we, we are strong and uh, we, we've done this the right way. Now we can pick and choose how we want to grow. Great. 
now that we touched a little on the concept of growth, I'd love to get some of Richmond's perspective on technology factors that play into your philosophy. Um, and in your opinion, where did Gusto have the most opportunity to grow in terms of tech adoptions? When I when I started with the company? Right. Um, I mean, when I, I started a little over seven years ago, we just had one location at the time. So the restaurant business in terms of technology has evolved so quickly, especially since the pandemic. Uh, I mean, pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, um, just so many changes, so much new technology out there. Um, when we, when I first started, um, we, I can't remember, we were on Square, I think, as our POS at that time. And uh, no, we didn't have any online ordering, didn't have much in the way of technology. I think we we're still using, Nate, you can correct me if I'm wrong, still using QuickBooks for uh, a lot of the financial stuff on the backside. I think some of our earliest really kind of technology investments were on the online ordering side of things. We were some of Uber Eats and DoorDash's first restaurant uh, users uh, when they first came to town. We And we experimented with a whole bunch. I think Amazon at one time had a third-party online service. Yelp had a third-party online service at one point. So we have been experimenting with that for a long time. About five years ago, we launched our first kind of like branded online ordering service through Chow Now. And that was one of our first big upgrades. We used to take a lot of orders over the phone. And, um, you know, we just discovered it was really a time-consuming effort for a lot of our teammates and and with not much return they were spending a ton of time on the phone so we launched an online ordering service through chow now but i'd say some of our biggest upgrades came when we first started with revel so uh, about three or four years ago we started really kind of taking a look at what our growth plan looked like as a company and then what was the technology that we were going to need to you know, scale up and achieve that growth plan. And it started with the PO. I mean, the POS is kind of the heartbeat of the whole restaurants, the the, the central system. And it was kind of clear that Square was uh, a good fit for where we were at the time, but wasn't going to be a good fit for where we were going. We were also about to open our first drive through location and Square wasn't necessarily a system that meshes well with the drive through So our real kind of upgrade started with the search for, okay, what's that next POS? And you know, eventually uh, started with Revel. And part of the reason we we uh, moved over to Revel was not just because of the POS system itself, but because of the ecosystem of partners that y'all work with, kind of best in class loyalty programs, uh, back office technology, online ordering, you know, you name it. And so we vetted out a few different, but felt like Revel was going to be the best fit in terms of being the, the central system that everything else could kind of plug into. And so that was really our first step at like trying to put something in place that we felt it could be a fit for us from five restaurants to, you know, a hundred restaurants. And, uh, from there, we've partnered with a few other kind of best-in-class companies that plug in. We have we work with Olo from an online ordering system that's helped us really consolidate and manage our whole online ordering business because we do a ton through third-party and direct online ordering. We started working with Punch from a loyalty standpoint. Um, that's an, one of our other kind of big technology partners. We work with Restaurant 365 from a back-end standpoint work with seven shifts on a lot of labor management stuff. So we've just been kind of slowly, I, th I think the term is best in breed. Some people take like 
uh, approach of, you know, partnering with to somebody like a Toast or a Square, and they've got all these different products kind of underneath their underneath their name, but they're um, not necessarily the best in class in any of those products. And we took a different approach, which is, you know, find a central POS that plays well with the best folks out there in these different areas, and then go partner with those best in class services. And so we feel like we're we spent the last two or three years really upgrading in all those areas and feel like we're in a good spot now where we can, like I said, kind of scale from where we are to, you know, a hundred restaurants, 500 restaurants, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of speaks to what Nate was talking about earlier, where the focus is truly on quality. So our philosophy at Revel is very much that you can't be the best at 500 different things. So focus on the lane where you play best in and then allow others to come on board and partner so that you yeah. can have excellent solutions in a variety of ways and have it all kind of come together. So sounds like Gusto is very much in line with that approach. So I'm curious, and this could be technology, it may be something else operationally, but what would you say has been kind of the largest single game changer for Gusto since you joined the team in terms of just how you conduct your operations and your ability to consider things like scale? I think, uh, I mean, obviously, Revel has been a, a game changer. I think that that's allowed us to partner with all these other technology services. So um, that's been a big one. I think for the restaurant industry as a whole, just the transformation of how guests can order with us and interact with us has dramatically shifted, especially in the last few years. But just even before then, it was it was already starting. You know, it used to be all your business was in store or, or you know, calling over the phone or that sort of thing. And things have just dramatically changed. You know, more of our bit more and more of our business is online. More and more of our business is kind of ordering through our app or ordering through these third party services. And I think us putting into place process around that one, it, it helped us weather the early days of the pandemic. We were much uh, more prepared. I, not not that we were anticipating a pandemic, but uh, when when it did hit, we were much more prepared to shift to the needs of our customer than a lot of other companies that were scrambling to put systems in place and figure out how to do online ordering and that sort of thing. It was really just kind of something we were already doing really, really well. And so I think that's been a huge game changer for us because our, our product travels really well. We're one of the top, if not one of the top restaurant brands on a lot of those apps in terms of volume and um, just being able to be adaptable to that really kind of shift in how consumers interact with restaurants, um, I think has, has really been a, comp a competitive advantage for us. Yeah, well, I'd add on to that. No, not only has the, the guest experience changed, some for the better, some for the worse. You know, we, we have expensive buildings where we want people to come dine with us and, you know, we want to be able to brighten their days and we don't, we don't want to lose the in-person guest experience and activity of human beings. However, it's not just on the sales side. You know, I think of like Restaurant 365. I mean, it, it also translates to our side of the data. You know, we got new data we have to analyze. We have, you know, so... Technology, I'm, just, I'm grateful for our team being ahead of this because uh, not only are we trying to sell more online, but we also have to we have to process payments online, maybe in a different way. We have to 
record the information. We have to true up actual costs versus theoretical costs. You know, it's, it's just different than customers showing up, giving you cash. Cash has gone away. There's a lot of things that have changed really in the last couple of years. And it's hopefully the consumer doesn't feel anything other than these are more convenient and this works, right? The, the online ordering process really works to our advantage because we have such a simple menu back to what's your, what your base, what's your protein, what's your gusto, beautiful photo, bing, bong, boom, you're done. It's in your basket. And um, there's a comprehensive change, uh, fully affects the business from finance to marketing to ops on the, the revolution of, of online ordering. Great. So you guys are really talking about these major shifts in consumer and, and market trends. So what do you expect the next major opportunity for Gusto to be from a tech standpoint? So we've kind of slowly been rolling out these different services over the last few years. It started with Revel. Then we rolled out uh, Olo last year, which is kind of a big change for us. But one of our big investments right now is in our new uh, loyalty program, the Gusto Fam Club. Uh, which is also our, our new mobile app. We launched it around Thanksgiving last year. And uh, we feel like that's going to be a real game changer for us as, as kind of a robust, integrated mobile experience for our guests. It's an incredible marketing tool in terms of not just data, but you know, sending out promotions, sending out uh, notifications. I think there's just a lot to be um, taken advantage of through that loyalty program. We're, we're looking at the potential of subscription type services. I, I've been reading a lot of articles. A lot of restaurants are starting to look into subscription type services. You hear about Panera or Sweetgreen or some of these others. And that's not something we've kind of launched or anything yet, but um, there's just a lot of opportunity through this mobile app and, and new loyalty program. Being able to do that is one of the reasons we partner, again, partner with Revel is, you know, y'all have those integrations with some of these kind of best in class companies like Punch. I'm sorry. I was just going to add on um, the ability to have one-on-one -on -one conversation-ish with a consumer digitally is the future. It's the now for big brands, but that's the difficult thing about being a little tiny brand. We want all the things that all the big boys and girls have, but we can't afford them, right? So it's it's just like piecing it together over time for us and occasionally making investments that we, we can barely only afford at the time, but know that we're going to grow into them. And that, that's a challenge, but it feels like when I think about Chick-fil-A, when I think about Starbucks, these are best-in-class brands that, that have one-on-one -on -one conversations using their loyalty program, and it creates literal loyalty. And we have to have our finger on the pulse of these things because if consumer trends change, it's not the consumer's fault. You know, it's going to be ours if we're not paying attention. Yeah, and I would just say that one of the things that's a challenge is um, – you know, from a consumer standpoint, they don't, a consumer doesn't necessarily differentiate in their minds between a little company and a big company. So kind of like Nate said, you know, the expectations of, of how they can interact with restaurants has changed. And so we have to be able to make the investments into things like mobile applications, loyalty programs, online ordering systems that, you know, like you said, maybe smaller companies typically haven't been able to afford because, you know, these larger companies, they've got whole departments and teams working on these things and can invest millions and millions of dollars. 
but they're, 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 we're we're competing with them one way or the other, and so we've got to figure out how do we how do we engage with the guests or the customer the, the same way that the, that they are because that's just the new, the new expectation. Yeah, and balancing you know the expectations with the actual ROI of some of these investments is tricky. It's a big reason that I'm in a marketing seat and not in an operations leadership role. I mean, that's that's a lot. And as a, a consumer of Gusto's product, you know, I can say that in real time, if you're not sure what you're craving just yet, but you've got that little bubble that pops up in your notifications that says a new reward is right around the corner that's going to help sway your decision. So, you know, enough of those add up and it can definitely make a big difference in the bottom lines of restaurants that are already operating on very thin margins. So that's cool. We're, we're excited to see what's next for you guys. So as we start to wind things down here, you know, Gusto is a fun brand. We're going to go with a softball question here, which is for both of you, what is your go-to Gusto order when you walk in? Richmond? <laughs> Um, I would say for me, it kind of depends on the time of day and, and, uh, how hungry am I? So if I, if, if, if it's dinner and I'm wanting something a little, uh, more filling, I'll go with kind of our number one, which is the Chipotle mango avocado. That's our, that's our, our best seller. You can't go wrong there. If I'm looking for something for lunch, I'll typically go a little bit lighter and go with, uh, tahini, cucumber, feta, or, or ginger lime peanut, something along those lines. But can't can't go wrong with either one of those. Um, I'm biased. I like them all. You know, the the menu was was invented to hopefully have folks come multiple times a week and get something different. Well, the limited data we have shows that most people get the same thing every time. So there's some marketing opportunity because they're they're all good, just depending on the mood you're in. Um, but. If I had to order right now, I'd say it'd be brown rice and spicy grilled chicken and ginger lime peanut add avocado. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, you guys are making me really hungry right now. So this last question is for the both of you. Um, is there a topic we haven't covered yet or anything major on the horizon aside from Richmond, what you've kind of already shared that you guys would love to cover? Well, I mean, what are you guys seeing in the marketplace? What are you guys hearing at trade shows? It's a little intimidating to hear about AI and all of a sudden we always feel like as Americans, we go from, from one ditch to the next. You know, we go from a very human being business to, oh my God, every restaurant is going to be all robots and no people, which isn't true. But um, AI is obviously playing a, a role uh, in, the, in the present and the future, but I'd be curious what, what are you guys seeing as you visit other booths and talk to other companies? Yeah, I would say um, AI is certainly, it's kind of a buzzword right now, but tied into that, a broader conversation is what role can tech play to enhance customer experience and not detract from it? And especially, you know, restaurants, in addition to all of the regular challenges, labor has been a constant in the headlines for new things that are just more tricky than they have been historically in terms of hiring and keeping good quality people. So the conversation is what things can things like tech do to offset some of those more menial tasks so that your team is hired to really make a difference with the guests they're interfacing with and can focus on the things they love to do that are truly 
service oriented. So I think that's probably the trend I've seen with the most staying power. And it's, it's been very popular as of late. Kate, I don't know if there've been other things that have come up for you. Um, I'll have, yeah, I would definitely agree with labor, um, and trying to like enhance that experience for your, for your own employees. I think that we obviously restaurants want to put a lot of emphasis on enhancing the customer experience, but that is so twofold with, with how your own employees feel about, about the brand. And, um, yeah, I think that's a great response, Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we, we think about a lot of the same things as how can these new tools coming out enhance experiences, not, uh, not detract from them. Cause I, I think it's easy to, you know, want to just plug a kiosk in somewhere and, and, you know, there's a little window and being, you know, being a bowl pops out, but is that, is that a truly great customer experience, truly great guest experience that is memorable that's, um, yeah, it makes them want to come back and, and interact with us on a more frequent basis. And then same on the employee side, like how uh, teammate team members aren't going anywhere. You know, I think there's a lot of articles out there about fully, you know, autonomous restaurants and this sort of thing out there. Maybe some of the bigger brands can invest in that sort of thing, but employees aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And and I think human beings crave that that actual interaction. My guests crave interaction with human beings and not not just looking at a computer screen. But uh, how, how can we use technology and, and some of these things that we've invested in? How can we use that to, yeah, like you said, enhance the teammate experience in the restaurants and make it a higher quality and so that we can attract higher quality teammates? We're, we're, we're seeing a lot of those technological advancements actually in the kitchen. So what I don't want to replace uh, interactions and connections with smiles and names and, and eye contact is is a robot or a transaction, you know? So it would be ideal if we could figure out ways. I think the word is serve. We want to, we want to continue to serve our guests, um, and be a part of their day. Uh, I think we've gone backwards. If it be, does become a, a, a ding and a, and a bowl pops out of a, a, a new age microwave, but what is changing is how that chicken is grilled, um, or how the avocado is peeled and process. And so some of the skill set in the kitchen feels like it may be being replaced with um, smart tools and, 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 and technology and innovation. And that's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just something we have to keep our finger on the pulse of because how, how meaningful is it that a human being grills chicken versus uh, a, a machine that does it exactly the same and perfectly every single time? And so uh, those are other challenges, questions, opportunities that we're staring at. Absolutely. And there's a reason that restaurants fall under the hospitality umbrella. Service is a huge piece of it. I think we saw that in a major way with folks responding to lifting pandemic conditions. You just really desperately wanting that face-to-face -face interface, even though it was a little bit awkward of a transition for some. Uh, you know, a few of us did get used to Zoom and sweatpants, but all of that said, like you, you just can't replace with a machine the human element, the human contact and the connection point that that generates person to person. So I, I agree. It, it will be very fascinating to continue to watch how all of this unfolds. But I think you're right. It's going to be more back of house things, more like, you know, repetitive things that don't necessarily need a human element where we can really watch to see 
what tech has to offer. So um, just want to close things out today and say thank you both so much for your time and for your candor. You know, I'm obviously a major fan of your restaurants, but I'm also appreciative of your partnership just as a valued Revel client. You guys are doing really cool things. I think you're doing really smart things in the marketplace, and it's truly a pleasure to support brands like yours. So thank you so much. And thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast. Yeah, thank, thank you all. Y'all have been tremendous partners to us since we launched. I, I say that around the office frequently. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons that we signed on with y'all to begin with was just the, the human beings in y'all's organization uh, have just been a real joy to interact with. And y'all have been just, you know, like I said, great partners to us. Thanks for having us on, guys. Thank you. What an awesome brand. I love Gusto's focus on quality, their team's general approach to technology, and honestly, pretty much every item on their menu. They truly are doing some great things with menu innovation. And I think they're asking really smart questions as they consider what growth and evolution look like for the brand. You know I love a great question. And so hopefully we've got our listeners asking themselves, what's my Gusto? And as this episode comes to a close... We just want to leave them with thoughts of healthy bowls and great food. To anyone tuning in, thanks so much for listening. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode, I invite you to like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon with fresh new content and more revelations. Mm-hmm.